Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 203 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Jacob, we're here today. We had an episode, but mm-hmm. then a big event happened that we're going to have to talk about. Kind of, a, kind of a big deal. Kind of big things happening. Kind of a big deal. Britain's longest reigning monarch, as we all know by now, Queen Elizabeth II, died on September 8th in Scotland, and Prince Charles is now King Charles. Mm-hmm. Which is still weird to say, like King Charles III. It doesn't it doesn't flow as well for some reason. I feel like all those poor people that are like, oh my gosh, we have to learn to start yelling, God save the king, after somebody, 70 years. Somebody's going to mess it up at like a Premier League game or something for sure. I already see it's going to happen a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, there's really no public figure, I think, who will have been mourned as deeply in Britain, I mean, maybe like Winston Churchill mm, might sure. come closest, or whose death could provoke a greater reckoning with the um, identity and future of the country. Because, I mean, her extraordinary longevity lent her an air of permanence that, like, even makes her death an event that everyone knew was coming. She was of such advanced age, but it's still somehow shocking. Yeah, it was. It did feel weird when I heard she died. I'm like, oh man, that's that's not cool. Like, I don't like that feeling. Like, it's always been just. I think it's for even worse for England. It's the, the queen's always just kind of been there, man. Always long. Same, their longest reigning monarch. Same lady. She's looked basically the same that entire time. It was just like <laughs> looks like everybody's like mean grandma. Um, she looks like a nice grandma though as she got older. As she got older, yes. Yes, she ascended to the throne in 1952. Um, And then just this past June, she celebrated her Platinum Jubilee, which marked her 70 years as queen. That's a great name for 70 years. Platinum Jubilee. I like that. It's good. So now her eldest son, Charles, the Prince of Wales, he'll take her place um, on the throne. And then his wife, Camilla, who is the Duchess of Cornwall, she will become known as the Queen Consort. Right. Because the queen was very specific. Like, she is not going to be... Yeah, the princess consort or whatever. Yeah. I think Camilla really grew on everyone over the years. Yeah, I feel like even when you're watching like The Crown, like on Netflix, it's like they kind of make it seem like he shouldn't have married Diane. He oh, should have married I mean, this. They should just let him marry this girl in the first place. They were like the real love story. Like yeah. they were the two people who wanted to be together. So the whole thing with Diana, like, you always feel bad for her mm-hmm. forever. Um, but I think everyone suffered in different ways during that whole thing. Oh, absolutely. But like, we don't need to get bogged down. In, like, no, all no, that. no. We're, we're going to focus on the queen. I mean, during her last year of life, she was definitely dogged by ill health. She needed a cane to get around. Like, I think people were really preparing. She was reducing her in-person meetings, I think, especially after the passing of her husband, Prince Philip, last oh, year. Oh, absolutely. After that. I felt like after Prince Philip died, everybody was like, kind of like get ready man because it seems like it's coming and i think that seems so common but she really kept up all of her constitutional duties so of tuesday so when you're listening to this of last week she appointed um liz truss as prime minister yeah i saw the, a meeting like I she saw did the photos it. from that and she actually looked like she wasn't in too bad health man she was like smiling and i mean stuff. think about that she died two days later yeah shooting at deer or whatever it is they do up at Banmoral. Yeah, all the things there. Um, So Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor was born on London in, or in London, on April 21st, 1926. She was the first child of the Duke and Duchess of York. Friends of the show, by the way. (laughs) She was, as we know, not born to be queen. 
her father's elder brother, Prince Edward, he was destined for the crown. Um, and then that would be followed by any children that he had. So she's probably like, this is a great life. Yeah, man. I just get to be hanging out. I get to <laughs> hanging like, be out, rich, rich play with some horses and stuff. But in 1936, when she was 10, um, Edward VIII abdicated to marry twice divorce American Wallace Simpson. What a scandal. And then Elizabeth's father became King George VI. Yeah. So that's a, a weird little um, Trajan history, man. Just like imagine yeah. the um, offshoots that could have happened if that, if like, what was it, King it would Edward be such kept a going. different person. Oh, yeah. just, I don't even know. Do, they would even, might not even have a monarch or they might be an American monarch at this point. So who even knows? Well, he, it was never going to happen with Wallace Simpson. They were like, we will burn the whole place down <laughs> before him. But so going back to her and Prince Philip, uh, they were married for more than 73 years. Yikes, man. That is hard to even comprehend. I can't even wrap your brain around it. And like I mean, that. he lived such a long time, too. He died last year, but at, at 99. Yeah, I know. He was literally in the process of turning into a human skeleton at that point. <laughs> oh, like, stop. Because he was looking a little Be rough. Nice. Be nice. Be nice. Um, I know. It's, I'm not stepping out his grave, but it's still like, yeah, he was he was getting up there, man. Both of them Yeah, were, they so. lived very full lives. Um, they lived in Malta, where originally where Philip was stationed and Elizabeth enjoyed kind of like this almost normal life as a Navy wife for quite a while. Um, the first of their four children, Prince Charles, King Charles. Yeah, King was, Charles got to get it right. I know, was born on November 4th, 1948. And then that was followed by Princess Anne on August 15th of 1950. Prince Andrew, February 19th, right. 1960. Skip, skip, skip over that We're one. We're going to go quickly there. And then Prince Edward on March 10th, 1964. In February of 1952, that's when King George VI, he died in his sleep, um, only at age 56, but he had been ill for quite a few years. And so Elizabeth was actually on a visit to Kenya, and then they were like, oh, P.S., you're the queen now. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Like, and you're like, oh. And then her coronation took place like more than a year later, which was like just. It's the first televised coronation, as a matter of fact. And millions of people watched it. I, I, I'm not surprised. I would have I'm tuned in. I mean, you only had three channels, so it was either that <laughs> yeah, or, like or like Julia Childs. But I still would have been like, hey, man, I'm going to go watch this cool. I'm going to see the crown. Yeah, print, um, Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Uh, famously, uh, you know, John Lithgow. As we know. I know. So good in that. <laughs> so um, fantastic. But his first reaction to the king's death was to complain that the new queen was only a child and that this was going to be terrible. But he said that he was won over within days of meeting her and eventually became like a really ardent admirer. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, they definitely had like a, they had some big things they had to deal with uh, while he was prime minister and everything. So. Oh, yeah. I learned so much from the crown. I like to pretend it is all true. I'm, I'm Every like, yeah. word is true. I know. I'm like trying not to like make it seem like a basis of my history <laughs> yeah. on Queen Elizabeth isn't the crown, but, but it sort of is. That uh, and like when Reggie Jackson tried to kill her in the naked gun, that was another big part of it. Of course. These are important things. <laughs> and Jacob and I discussed beforehand, we're not going to get into all of, you know, the negative things that are attached to the monarchy. We're just going to kind of focus on some of the good stuff. And I think this is one that, despite being one of the world's wealthiest people, Elizabeth had a reputation for frugality and common sense. So she was known as a monarch who, like, would go around turning off lights in empty rooms, <laughs> which I love because she was, like, a country woman. She would, like, still strangle pheasants nice. when, like, stuff needed to be doing. Like, that was just kind of who she is. And... <laughs> Pheasants are like panicking. They're like, oh, man, she's coming. She's got, yeah. her, she's got those gloves on. I think her inner life and her opinions, though, they remained such an enigma because she was very much like, 
I'm not going to like take sides in anything. I'm just gonna be quiet. And I think a lot of people took that for coldness because they saw relatively so little from her. Yeah, and then like they started seeing like Charles was walking around giving his opinion on stuff, and that's why a lot of people in England are like, no, and that didn't I, go well. Like I don't like that. Like yeah. I would just keep your mouth shut, buddy. Be like your mom. All they really know of the Queen is that she was a horse owner. She was rarely seemed happier than during like racing weeks. She loved corgis, man. She loved her Welsh corgi dogs. There's so like much. I saw like a line of succession uh, on Twitter the other night. It was about just the line of corgis, like from the first one she had all the way down to like the current ones. I thought it was kind of sad, but like an older person thing that she hasn't gotten a new corgi in a while because yeah. she didn't want to like die and have the corgi like not have her, you know, yeah, like that's naturally. such a thing. But I was like, oh, that's cute. So she, her image, which has been adorned on stamps, coins, and banknotes is the most reproduced in the world. And then through so many just countless public events, she probably met more people than anyone in history. But that would make sense. Like everybody just wants to come up and start shaking her hand. Oh, absolutely. You know who one of those people is? Uh, not us. I, we never got to meet her, unfortunately. <laughs> my dad. Oh, really? So, <laughs> story is so funny, but so my dad used to vacation in the Bahamas like every year. Oh, um, just having a vacation in the he Bahamas. He loved the Bahamas. That was his hangout. And so the one time, and I know my dad will listen, so dad, sorry if I mess up your story a little. I'm going for brevity here. But um, he was, they were like, oh, the queen is like coming, visiting you know, her, sure. her people were going to gloss yeah. over that. But so everybody was outside and like, there's the queen, like walking around, you're just waving. She's not like a chatty person. She's just kind of doing her thing. So now when my dad used to vacation in the Bahamas, he would wear these pants and dad, I'm going to drag these pants. They are like, imagine like Zubas, mm -hmm. but s worse. Like uh, why, we mean, different colors. I, 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 well, your premise doesn't work right away because you assume Zubas are bad because they are fantastic. It is true. I am never. I'm actually going to show you a picture of my dad in a similar pair of pants. Also, just check this guy out right here. Oh man, look at that! <laughs> I see what you mean. They are very Zuba-esque, but not yes. quite. Yes. So he. Dad's about to go like lift weights and like. Do, like do upside down crunches on the beach. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what it looks like. It looks like jacked up, like Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> That's actually a great, yeah, a little little bit actually. So anyway, he's standing there in his wild pants, and the queen literally looks over, sees him, and then comes over to him and starts talking to him. I think she said she liked his pants or whatever. He complimented her. She was wearing a brooch. He was like, "Oh, I really like your brooch." He was like, "America loves you." And like chatted and then she's like, cool. And then went on her way. And he said he turned around and like his wife was sobbing and people around him and his friends were like, you just, you just talked to the queen. Like nobody talks to the queen. So <laughs> like I'm an American. She ain't my queen. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Two degrees from Queen Elizabeth II I am. But um, anyway, I saw a quote about her that I thought was poignant. I'm not sure who it was from, but it said she is queen not because she governs England, but because England would not be itself without her. That's kind of true. So hopefully, you know, everybody recovers from this and they move on. I don't know how there can still be flowers for sale in the entire oh, country. Oh, I, no, I can't imagine that it is. And just it just feels like the end of an era, man. Like, there just seems like now, already people are talking about how are they going to change up the monarchy? Like, what adjustments are they going to make from Charles to... 
They're just going to have William, right? That's the Kate one. be involved as much as possible because everybody loves Kate. <laughs> They're like, just bring does. Kate everywhere that Charles has to go. We, you got a chance to not screw up the wife thing again, guys. Let's let's keep Kate happy over here. Yeah, she's adorable. So what we're going to do, we did an episode um, on some movies about royals that involve movies specifically made about the queen um, or other royals throughout history. So we are going to play that episode today. It, we made it after Archie was born, so it is very light. So mm-hmm. please don't take that as us being uncaring. We we cleared <laughs> it with the uh, with the royal family there ahead yeah, of time, they, and they were like, "It's fine." They understand. They're not pleased with all of the terrible accents Jacob does in the episode. <laughs> terrible. But they I don't are know what you're talking about. You know, William was a big fan of, oh, of all okay. the accents. He was like, "Hey, you can call me Bill first of all, and <sighs> second, fantastic. You, you nailed me. you nailed Harry." But I do want to mention two books um, that we didn't mention the last episode that you should check out. The first one is Elizabeth the Queen. The Life of a Modern Monarch by Sally Bedell Smith. This is um, a biography of Queen Elizabeth II. It's a really close-up view of the woman that so many people have only known from a distance, and it's uh, a really captivating window into this last great monarchy. And then a newer book that just came out this year is called Queen of Our Times, The Life of Queen Elizabeth II by Robert Hardman. This is a definitive portrait of the queen for her 70th anniversary um, by a really renowned royal biographer. Mm, okay. So he's got all the inside scoop. It includes unpublished royal family papers and photographs, along with personal stories from other world leaders and their relationship with her. Um, so that one should be really great. I feel like there's going to be a big holds list on that, so we'll probably be purchasing more. Yeah, get a couple extra copies. You know, if you want to, on the um, movie front, there's a million. You know, you watch, listen to the episode, we're going to tell you everything to go check out, guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, there are, and again, because it's an older episode, there's funny things of like, well, this hasn't come out yet, but it will. It's obviously out now, but, you know, yeah. let's go back to the past. Go watch when she had tea with Paddington Bear or when she met James Bond. These are all things that are real, and the, they're all fantastic. The Paddington Bear is adorable, especially, and then he tweeted. The only two people in England with a 100% approval rating today <laughs> are the Queen and Paddington Bear. <laughs> That's accurate. So, okay, enjoy. Um, okay, so to start with, I think the the biggest must-see for me, and it's most related to the baby and the whole family, would be the Netflix original drama, The Crown. Oh, that makes sense. Reportedly the most expensive television program that Netflix has ever made. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. It's really, Wouldn't I mean. guess that. Well, I mean, they have really sumptuous costumes, but we'll kind of get into that. But um, so this chronicles the life of Queen Elizabeth II. That's the Queen Pre- Mother. Previously we discussed know. as throwing stuff when she heard the name Archie. Yeah, which again was just made up by Jacob. And she's played by Claire Foy. And then it goes from the 1940s, and then the show's going to continue all the way to modern times. Um, so the series begins with kind of an inside look at the early reign of the queen who ascended the throne at age 25 after the death of her father, King George VI. And as the decades pass, there's personal intrigues and romances and political rivalries are revealed, and they play a big role in the events that kind of shape the later years of the 20th century. So uh, Matt Smith... Oh, the Doctor Who guy. Yep. He plays her husband, Prince Philip. Um, but they, Claire Foy and Matt Smith were in the first two seasons, and then for the next seasons coming up, they have a new cast because it's them aging. Well, that makes sense. And That's... it's amazing. So the new queen is Olivia Coleman, our recent Oscar winner from The Favorite. Oh, talk about that. That was a good piece of casting. Too. Oh, yes, they did. I'm sure they're very happy. And then Tobias Menzies, um, he pops up in lots of stuff, but he's best known for right now. He's the bad guy in Outlander. 
Oh, I never watched Outlander. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so they'll take over. But it, it really, it's it's high drama. It's really great. Like I said, the costumes are amazing. They have really powerful performances, um, really lavish cinematography as well. So I think even if you're not into royal stuff, that anyone could really enjoy it. It's a really good show. Yeah, I, w- I didn't know if I should watch it or not because I didn't know if it was going to be like my cup of tea, but... Everybody keeps saying that it's pretty good. I mean, you have to drink a cup of tea when you watch it. That's kind yeah, of that's mandatory. Why, that's why that. I said it. <laughs> that's Slide it in there. Um, yeah, it always looked like a pretty good show. I've heard nothing but high praise for it. It's always up for every award at the uh, Emmys it's, every it's year. It's really great. Here's just like a bit. Claire Foy is so good as the queen. So here's just a quick little segment of her as one of the prime ministers is um, stepping down. And they have to tell her. They tell her everything. It's She's very Let's important. Do it. Okay. I would call Alec to the palace right away, ma'am. No sense dragging things out. Is that an order, Mr. Macmillan? It would be my advice. Do you know, I've been queen barely 10 years. And in that time, I've had three prime ministers, all of them ambitious men. Clever men, brilliant men. Not one has lasted the course. They've either been too old, too ill, or too weak. A confederacy of elected quitters. Damn, confederacy of elected quitters. Queen is dropping some heat on them on that one. And you learn like how important the queen really is to the people, like the whole monarch. So I'm sure that line, it zinged him. Oh, I'm sure it did. It it zinged him real good. Yeah, you can't really, you know, put into context because, you know, America doesn't have one that like how important the monarchy is to the fabric. Even though they don't really have power, they do. It's a weird middle ground. It it absolutely is. Like they don't make the final decisions, but everything goes through them. Like they check with them. So that is a great one. Definitely check out The Crown. The newer seasons will only be on Netflix, but season one and two you can grab from the library. So what do you have, Jacob? And why do I assume it'll be weird? Give me something normal. Why is it always weird? Well, I don't know. You should ask yourself that. It usually is. Usually is weird. Okay, so I'm actually going to piggyback off of your idea here, and I'm going to go with a two-parter. I am going to go with the Elizabeth series, both Elizabeth and Elizabeth the Golden Age. Like, so good. So So we're going back, way back into her. We're going back. Way back into her relatives. (laughs) Yeah, we're going going where it begins, I dare say, considering it's the first. I'm no mathematician. Well, she's just Elizabeth II, so. So There you go. See, pretty pretty clear line of succession (laughs) there. Okay, okay. So the first one uh, from 1998 uh, is basically the beginning of Queen Elizabeth I's reign in 1558. Basically... It covers everything from the people trying to assassinate her early on. There was the whole everybody wanted to put Mary, Queen of Scots, on the throne basically because she was a Catholic and mm-hmm. Elizabeth was a Protestant. They start to get into the whole how she's not married and doesn't seem to have any interest in getting married, so I, she won't have any heirs. And I have to forever now picture her as Kate Blanchett because that's the only thing I want to do. Oh, I mean, she was amazing. As far as I know, that's exactly what Queen Elizabeth looked like. Yes, just Kate even though I'm sure she was not nearly as beautiful as Kate Blanchett. You I are. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> um, but this is this one of the best 
historical based dramas you're going to see. Yeah. The problem with a lot of historical dramas is that you already know what's going to happen or you can look it up before you go into the movie. So it kind of takes all the tension out of it. This one, maybe because of just the stellar cast or directing or, you know, that doesn't hurt that you have a pretty cool plot and story going on. Um, but they manages to pull it off and still make everything feel both interesting and you feel both bad and afraid or Elizabeth the entire movie. Yeah, definitely. I didn't like the second one as much. I thought it fell off a little, but I, it's still a, it's that. still a good movie. It's still definitely worth checking out. Yeah, you could definitely tell there was like a nine year gap in between, which there was the first yeah, one in ninety eight. Yeah, it always feels a little weird then. But yeah, like basically all of the major British actors of the time and of the future are in this movie. Kate Blanchett, Jeffrey Rush is in there as her spy master, Daniel Craig, Vincent Castle, Joseph Fiennes. Richard Attenborough and Christopher Eccleston are all just some of the actors. It's in crazy the first remembering movie. that they're in like all of them. Yeah, like there's so well, many the of these royal films that have kind of the same actors pop up. Yeah, and then the second one bust out with Eddie Redmayne and Clive Owen in like important yeah. roles in the movie. So it's and Abby Cornish is in. Even there. though I don't think Clive, I think he, I love Clive Owen, but I don't feel like he was right if I'm remembering correctly. He was Sir Walter Raleigh. He was okay. He was okay. He was a little out of his depth, but he always is when he has to go into. A little, really a little bit, but I love you, Clive. <laughs> um, but yeah, go check out both of these movies. If you and you can watch them back to back because they bleed right into each other yeah. perfectly. And if you don't know anything about Queen Elizabeth, she's a fascinating and very important character in um, history. So go okay. check it out, guys. Um, so the next one I want to recommend, I think. It didn't get a lot of play because I don't feel like the reviews were high enough. And I'm not sure why, because I really love this movie, but it's Young Victoria. I've heard of it. I never watched it. So the it's only... Probably, probably why I didn't get much play. I don't there know, there you go. Out. The only legitimate heir of England's King William was the teenager Victoria, who's played by Emily Blunt in the film. Oh, you got my attention. And then she gets caught up in the like political machinations of her own family. And her mother, played by Miranda Richardson also just great in this role, wants her to sign a regency order while her Belgian uncle schemes to arrange a marriage between the future monarch and Prince Albert, who's played by Rupert um, Friend. I don't know if you know him. I know the name, but yeah, I can't put the face to him. He's a cutie. And then, but he ends up becoming like just the love of her life. So it's really like their story of being younger and meeting and actually falling in love, which, mm. you know, does not always happen in many monarchs. It's very random that you get to wed the man of your choice, like yeah. the man that you actually love. So she was crowned in 1837, and Victoria ruled until 1901, queen of you know the greatest empire she, the world has ever known. Did she and, really 54? Wow, that's a long reign. And she was married to Albert, like I said, her greatest love from 1840 to 1861. And then she was a widow for the next 40 years. Wow. Um, but I have some piggyback stuff to kind of go on with that, but she never remarried because I think it was always just Albert. But there were some other gentlemen in her life. Well, you would, you would imagine over 40 years. Probably got to be a couple instances of that going on. Sure, and there's been a, f a few movies about it. But what do you think of when I say Prince Albert? Do you think of what I think of? About him being in a can. No. No. I'm About the piercing? Oh, yes. I, I think they're actually both <laughs> referring to the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so if people don't know, the the Prince Albert is a very common, oh, I guess, just male genital piercing. It's, just, it's making which me supposedly, thinking about it. Which is supposedly Prince Albert had. What? So that's why it's named after that. I, would, mm, I don't want to, I, I don't I don't want to meet the psychopath that came up with that in the first place. Prince Albert. Well, yeah, he's like, let me try something. <laughs> like, let's, let's see how this works let's out. See. 
oh, that turns out that's painful. Oh, um, you know it got infected. You know it got. Infected. We can we can very quickly move away from that. But <laughs> then the other movie I want to say there's one called Mrs. Brown, um, and that takes place that's after the death of Prince Albert, and then it's about Queen Victoria, and now played by a young Judy Dench. And it's her, she withdraws from public life very much so because she's so depressed. So the court appoints a former servant of the prince, um, John Brown, to help her kind of recover from her grief. And his like unorthodox ways and his disdain for protocol, they really like draw her out of her shell because she's just like, this guy's really interesting. And he's this like brash Scott and he kind of becomes her sole confidant. And then their growing closeness then, of course, causes like a huge stir. And there's all these like scandalous rumors beginning about what is the exact nature of her relationship with him. What you would naturally assume would. I mean, I think that sort of gossip loves to happen. But this movie, this Mrs. Brown, has really top-notch acting and has really good chemistry between uh, Judy Dench and the actor is Billy Connolly, who plays John Brown. I love Billy Connolly. I I can imagine that one. Yeah, so he's great, but... um, Oh, I miss Brown. Get out with (laughs) it. Just go ahead and... Oh, that's very good Scottish. What? Says who? uh, Billy Connolly, because that's exactly what he sounds like. That is... Go watch... uh, Not how I scenes. how I remember it, but um, but yeah. So there's two Victoria movies. Then there's more that we can talk about at some other point because they kind of actually keep going on. There's like a third segment of Victoria, even older. Um, really? But I might talk about that book because oh. it's a pretty good book. So I'm kind of okay. curious when we get to that because what else? I just knew her for like her falls down in South America. That's pretty much the only way I know her. <laughs> well, Isn't never... Victoria Falls in Africa? Is no, I think it's in South America. I don't well, know. it's in one of the two. One of us is right. It's somewhere below the equator. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <coughs> I have to. I have to look it up now. Queen Victoria Falls. In case you don't know, I don't know anything the, about geography. So Queen Victoria Falls is the largest yes. waterfall in the world. It is huge and beautiful looking. So you should go ahead and grab a book here at the local library. It's in Africa. I got it. I don't believe you. It is. I think you're just on. It's one of the greatest attractions in Africa. It's no, located on it the be, Zambezi awesome. River. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait till Andrew listens to this and knows that I knew something about geography. He's going to not. It's my like, worst category in Trivial Pursuit. So. Is it really? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you get the um, geography category. You're like, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. So. Well, you're better than me. I was got South. America, so yeah, you would there. not have found it. You would have booked a ticket and been really disappointed. I found something weird down there. <laughs> so, okay, what else do we have? What else, Royal? Okay, um, you know what? I'll stick with sticking with Africa. I'm gonna go ahead with the 1988 Eddie Murphy classic, Coming to America. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. So <laughs> he is Royal. It's topical because there's a sequel coming out uh, next year. Yeah, I, believe. I feel like we talked about that. That is crazy. It is a terrible idea, but <laughs> it's <laughs> something. It's a thing that they're doing. So if you have not seen this movie, what is wrong with you? It is a comedy classic in every sense of the word. Uh, it stars Prin- uh, Eddie Murphy as Prince Akeem from the nation of Zamunda yeah. in Africa. It's a great nation. And on the day of his arranged wedding, he decides, you know what? I don't like this whole arranged marriage thing. I want to go see if I can find my own queen. I'm going to go to America. So naturally, you go to Queens in the 80s. <laughs> well, it makes sense. It's where the queens live. Of course. You know, for, it's very seems like obvious choice <laughs> to me. It does. So then he decides to go there, and he just basically begins to fall in love with a daughter of a one franchise ripoff fast food guy. I don't even know what to call him. Okay. I want to call him a mogul, but it's you know it's, it's a not restaurant. A mogul. When you okay. Um, oh, but it's just 
everything about this movie is iconic. Um, it is a great. The setting. Great it's movie. still funny this day to this day. I saw it the other day. It's a lot more. You forget sometimes with the 80s movies just kind of vulgar and stupid they can be at the same time. Yes. And it's always great to see. You kind of like go back in time like, oh, they used to really make some great comedies. It's been a really long time since I've seen it, so I should probably put some fresh eyes on it. Oh, it is fabulous. It's also a nice bit of trivia. It is the movie debut of Samuel L. Jackson. This is his first movie appearance. Is really? Movie? Ever? Oh, yeah. This is the this is the one wow, where he plays a, okay. Mc, a McDowell's I thought Robert. it would have been Spike Lee for sure. Nope. Louis Anderson's in this movie doing basic. Basically nothing but just okay. kind of being Louis Anderson in the background. Right. Um, it's also a shared universe with Trading Places because two characters, the old guys that run the uh, Wall Street firm, appear in here. So this is the first, oh, um, yeah. the first real attempt by studios to make like a Eddie Murphy verse since we know at least these two movies are in the same thing. And I like to think Nutty Professor's in there too. <laughs> Stop! You're just pushing it now. Um, but yeah, go check it out, people. It's an absolute classic. Yeah, if Get you haven't, up. you definitely. You need to. You will laugh. I 100% guarantee. So my next one, not laughs, but just endless swooning is how I feel about this movie. I love this movie, everyone. I can't wait. I'm on pins and needles right Mm. now. It is called A Royal Affair. Oh, I never saw that one. It is a royal affair, huh? Oh yeah. So it's for it's foreign. We have so to, you have to read. But listen to this tagline, ready? Here. The true story of an ordinary man who wins the queen's heart and starts a revolution. Right? It's exactly. Good, it's good now, stuff right let there. me make it even better for you. So it's about Carolyn Matilda, played by Alicia Vikander. Oh, I like Alicia Vikander. This is the first thing I saw her in when I was like, why am I discovering this most beautiful woman ever in this movie? <laughs> so she's the youngest sister of George III and is betrothed to her cousin, Christian VII, who's the king of Denmark. And almost immediately upon meeting him, she is aware of his like severe mental illness. He's like, okay. seriously, he's really crazy. Um, and then she ends up falling under the charismatic spell of Christian's new doctor who's looking after him, who's played by Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, boy. Oh, now yes. We're at, now we're talking Mads Mikkelsen and Alicia Vikander. Yes, it's really good. They have incredible chemistry. Like, I love it. It's a really, like, it's one of those just lavish and sumptuous costume dramas that, mm. like, when they're done so well, it doesn't even matter if that's not what you're into. They just look so good. Um, and, like, even, like, Danish historians are universally super happy with the film so you know that you're actually watching something that's a really accurate you know it's a drama but it's a really accurate piece of history see that's what i like to hear right there because pretty much the only thing i know about you know danish royalty is hamlet and that's a that's a fake story yes so it's very interesting to see actually some real some actual events and they're incredible so the year and a half that caroline and i think his name is like struency something like that were in power like a mad mickelson's name so while they were in power together they managed to enact more than two thousand laws wow yeah it's totally mind-boggling and the vast majority of which were created to help liberate a chronically underprivileged and downtrodden population so they really did so good for the people but they were kind of like manipulating the king you know, in a way to get this done because he was like crazy and they had this really great view and they were in love and it, it's beautiful. Well, I love this movie. Please check it out. Not enough people have seen it. Well, you know, you know, make lemonade, I guess, if you get lemons, you know, you got a crazy king, you know, try to work, ar- him, work around it. Like, Figure it's just, out some way to do that. It's just lucky that a doctor appointed him is like this was like good revolutionary and not some evil. <laughs> like it 
person looking to do terrible things and just make money. I am, so it was a good part of Denmark's history. I am trying to imagine him as like a romantic lead, and it's really weird to me. But he's still just Mad Mickelson. That's what's good about it. It's not like it's not like campy and over the top. You're just like this is how two people fall in love. I fell in love with him watching the movie. Oh so, well, for I mean, sure. How, how could you not? <laughs> it's true. It's really true. That steely gaze of his, you just get pulled right in. Yeah. So this this is like really this is Michelle high recommendation. Oh, okay. Please see it. Okay. What else we got? So let's get out of England for a little bit here. I'm gonna go ahead and jump us over to France. For the 2006 movie Marie Antoinette. Oh, do you Sophia know? Sofia Coppola. I've never seen it. Really? I know I should have, and I really like I like Sofia Coppola, but yeah, it looks so don't. it looks so rich and colorful and full that film, which is, is definitely like the highlight of this movie. Okay. Um. So, okay. So, it, like you said, it's a very beautiful looking movie. It, basically, the entire plot takes place in Versailles, so it's a one shot. Um, not one shot, but you know, one location yeah, yeah. movie about and Marie Versailles is beautiful. It, one of the most beautiful palaces on earth. Yeah, I mean, that's this was actually the very first movie that was allowed pretty much unfettered access to the um, entire palace to film. Mm-hmm. So you get an unprecedented look at what it, the opulence that the French royalty was living in. Yeah, and you kind of like, oh, I kind of get the why the French Revolution happened, especially when you kind of see their behavior in here. Too much. Does she do her cake line? Does that come up in the film? No, they don't get that far. Oh, I mean, she's young. They do get it, but it's kind of like one of those. It doesn't actually know if it. Had, she said that. In yes, I have heard that. So it's kind of one of those weird little things. They get to that point, but just I know when I think of French actresses, I always think. Uh, Kirsten Dunst. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's a little unusual, but she actually is really good in this movie. If you're going to see one movie by her, and that's probably a good idea, this is oh, a one stop. to check out. Um, it has an excellent cast as well. Uh, Jason Jason Schwartzman is in here as Louis the Sixteenth, her husband. Wow, that's so random. These are such random choices. Oh wait, do you hear some of these other um, people? Steve Coogan is in here. Um, okay. Judy Davis, Rose Byrne, Asia Argento, and your boy. Tom Hardy is in this movie at one of his really? early roles. Yeah. Oh, I'll be watching Being, it for this sure. is young, I've always wanted to see it. This is young Tom Hardy, too. Mm. This is like straight off the streets. Okay. You're going to like it. Um, but yeah, if you have don't really know much about French history and you want another reason to really hate the monarchy because, boy, they do, <laughs> not, they do not come off great in this movie okay. at all. But it's just such a great, it's such a beautiful movie to look at. Good story. Excellent acting. Go check it out, people. Okay. I like that. I... We're pretty much out of time, and I do want to talk about books. So I was going to talk about the movie The Queen, but I feel like the majority of people um, have seen that. Yeah. Helen Mirren, I mean, she was totally spellbinding in in that film. So that one is, if you haven't seen it, obviously check out The Queen. But one that I wanted to mention that I think less people have seen is The Madness of King George. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, so I think it's from the 90s, but it's about aging King George III, who's played by Nigel Hawthorne. Um, and he is, um, this is King of England, and he is exhibiting signs of madness, which, I mean, seems to have afflicted a lot of these kings, which is weird. And well, it was just like... That's what inbreeding will get you. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's totally true. And it's just such a problem that was little understood, you know, in like 1788. Yeah. Oh, it's understood now. Like, yeah, we get it. Yes. exactly what's going on. So as the monarch, you know, the alternate, alternates between bouts of confusion and then near violent outbursts of his, te- of his temper, these doctors are attempting to like cure him. And I'm sure like the worst ways, you know, they're probably <laughs> like, let's put leeches on your face. Um, but Helen Mirren is in this movie also. So she plays Queen Charlotte and it's just kind of about 
the Prince of Wales, Rupert Everett, is trying to usurp the throne and all of his political enemies, and they're trying to kind of lock him up. And it's it's a really good movie. Like it has some funny parts, but then it's like you're like, oh, it's, it's kind of terrible because he's he's that's what, really losing his mind. That's what you get, King George. That's what his America put him over the edge, you know, because well, he it, was in full on. Crazy yeah. So mode. this is the king, everyone from Hamilton, who. Who is so good? Just doing the McDonald's. But it really was. It does actually kind of sound like that. Um, But it it really was after he lost America that some of this really started to set into. He lived on until about 1820, just blind and hopelessly insane for the last 10 years of his life. Awesome. Like really off the walls. But the film mostly focuses on like his middle age, where he still would have periods of clarity and was really struggling to keep his wits and to keep the throne because he kind of knew where he was heading. That's a rough spot when you know what's happening and there's nothing you can do about it. No, it's totally terrible. Especially back then. Like, there's literally no option for you at that point, so. Yeah. Um, Can I just jump into some books? Of course. I I feel bad because I always leave them till the end. First off, if you want to read about any sort of royal... There are one billion books about it. Sure. There are so many books. Authors will write like 20 books about it. There's all these series. There's so many. And you can pick break, a country and there's books about it. Break it down to like little two-year um, sections. You seriously can't. But some that I really liked, so Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. Great title. And they, I think they made that into a TV show, which was pretty popular. But this is England in the 1520s, um, just very close to disaster because they think the king is going to die and he doesn't have a male heir and then the country could be destroyed by civil war because of that and Henry VIII this is when he's trying to annul his marriage of 20 years so that he can marry Anne Boleyn Um, we've got the popes in here having issues this is um, Thomas Cromwell is in this um, film and it's kind of about him being a charmer and a bully and the things you know that he kind of brought to this. I don't want to give anything well, away. You, you got Tudor action. You got the Pope in his pointy hat sticking you, his head and stuff. You you you've got a lot. It's good stuff. Sounds um, really cool, actually. Yeah, and it has a part two also, which I think the book is even better than the first book. Yeah. They're long books, so you got to know what you're getting into. But you're speaking my language there. That is that is true. Um, and then because we mentioned Anne Boleyn, I have to mention a book um, I read a long time ago when I was young. So I hope that it is held up over time. But the other Boleyn Girl by Philippa Gregory. I saw the movie. I hated the movie. It was terrible. It's not great. No. The book was way better. I mean, I hate being the person that says that, but that just happens to be the way that it was. Um, Sometimes you can't tell a story in an hour and a half. You You, usually can't, especially ones involving that kind of nuance. But the book is great. So it's about Mary Boleyn, and she comes to court. She's this innocent girl of 14 who catches the eye of Henry VIII, and she's really dazzled by the king and falls in love with him. Um, And she kind of has like... A role as like an unofficial queen but then she realizes like she's just kind of a pawn in the whole thing and then his interest begins to wane and she's forced to step aside for her best friend and rival sister always a good thing um which is Anne Boleyn and then Boy. We all we all know that that doesn't it doesn't go super if well. Only she'd have known. <laughs> that, if only she'd have known that rhyme, huh? She would have been like, oh. <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's probably going to end well for me. And then one more, just to get all the good stuff, would be the private lives of the Tudors, uncovering the secrets of Britain's greatest dynasty, mm. by Tracy Borman, and it really covers 
um, the big English Tudor monarchs. We've got uh, Henry the Seventh, Henry the Eighth, Edward the Sixth, Mary the First, Elizabeth the First. Friend um, of the show. It's just tough. And then she delves into so much about their lives, like she gets deep like what did they eat what clothes did they wear um how were they designed how were things cared for how did they practice their faith how did they love how did they give birth like blah blah blah. so if you really want to delve into their up their education their upbringing their you know sexual lives their bathroom habits boom this is the book for you. There you go. See, because I definitely want to hear about all of that <laughs> it stuff. Covers, it covers all of the it. Bathroom inf- that bathroom information, I'm like, let's find out what kind of straw they use. <laughs> I don't. I am so glad that I don't know what that reference means. You, I'm glad you don't, but when you Google it, you're no, not going to like it. I will absolutely never Google that. And lastly, what I'd mentioned, that book, Victoria and Abdul, The mm-hmm. True Story of the Queen's Closest Confidant. So this is Queen Victoria even older and an unlikely bond that she forms with someone out this guy abdul um and he ends up becoming a really powerful figure at court and becomes really close to her heart and this is again an incredibly scandalous decade in her reign because now they're like what's going on with abdul so i saw that movie Oh, you did? Was I it did. good? Yeah, it was actually pretty good. Okay, Surprisingly, so I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I that's did. That's the third part of the Queen's life. Those are kind of oh. the three men in her life. Well, then I know So you how need to ends. watch the other two yeah, movies. Yeah, I do. I got to go back now. I got to be a completionist. Perfect trifecta. Okay, so we did it. Yay. Yay. Super royal. What a high-class episode. I drank my tea the entire time with my pinky up. You, there is literally tea in this room as we speak. Oh, cheerio. We're like, we need to get all kinds of British. <laughs> all right, plug us up. All right, everybody. Oh. Don't forget. <laughs> That everything you hear on All Booked Up is available. Ah, oh man, I'm not even gonna do that anymore. Oh. Everything you hear on All Booked Up is available at all 37 branches, all throughout Erie County. So just stop on by, let us know what you want. We'll either have it on call or we will get it for you. Don't. And we also we got a nice little bookmobile that's driving around to all your locations. So you know, hit that up if you want to. And please follow us on our Twitter at All Booked Up Pod. It's very good. We are classy. I'll post pictures of Archie. <laughs> See, that's how you do it. A little post of Archie, I like it. Would you like some facts about the royal peoples? Of course I would. This is the monarchs that are in power now. That's what we're going to talk about. The queen, queen mother, do you know she has two birthdays? Um, yeah, a lot of perks when you're uh, the queen. Yeah, a what? lot of perks. I Although, don't like it. I want another one. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. So she was born on April 21st, but the queen has an official birthday, which is typically in May or June. And that's what's recognized by the Commonwealth. Kind of like President's Day? I can't really tell you, but she's got two birthdays. Okay, that's weird, but all right. And if you ever do end up seeing her, please remember that they consider the word pardon to be inappropriate. Shouldn't have told me that. Now, you if, I ever, not if I ever done. do meet the queen, so, the first thing is to be like, pardon. Yeah, if you don't hear her, do not say pardon. If you don't understand, you're supposed to say sorry or what when looking for clarification. I'm an American, man. I can say whatever I want to What the Americans literally never say pardon. She's not my queen. I can say what I want. Can you, are you going to comment that her and her husband are cousins? Nope. Because her and Prince Philip are actually third cousins by way of their great-great-grandparents who are... Come on, who are their great-great-grandparents? It's got to be like Elizabeth, right? Queen it's Victoria and Prince Albert. Oh, man. I Dude, know. we were just talking about him and his can earlier. Yes. His terrible choice for body And also Prince Albert and Queen Victoria were first cousins, so oh, it all boy. it all checks out. This one I loved. The queen, she has to sew weights into her hemlines. 
And she does that so that there is no like fashion faux pas with like a breeze or anything blowing her dress up. Oh, that makes sense. That's really interesting. I was like, oh, that's. She's probably got like really strong back muscles. <laughs> yeah, just holding all that it's up. Great, great core work. Um, and that they actually still hold people hostage. Really? So get this. So while it obviously wasn't uncommon for medieval kings and queens to hold people hostage, you know, it's not something you expect now. But um, whenever the queen attends the state opening of parliament, okay, she takes a hostage. Oh. So like they're, I mean, obviously they're treated nice. well, but it goes back to a time when the royal household and parliament did not see eye to eye. So to guarantee the queen's safe return, they would keep a member of parliament for the duration of the state opening just in case they needed to bargain. Oh. That's crazy, and that's that still happening weird. today. The U.S. does a version of that with its designated survivor during, like, State of the Union or whenever they do, like, the big speeches. Oh, they do always they? keep one member of the cabinet away and tucked sure, away somewhere. Sure, I mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense. They like, you keep, might they, rule. They made a really mediocre Kiefer Sutherland show about it, so. Oh, well, I'll be sure to pass that on. All right, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Keep it royal, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.